Welcome to The Chase. The Chase is a white arc podcast aimed at specifically giving you an insight into what makes great leaders and entrepreneurs in a variety of organisations tick. We call them Chiefs. My name is James Chiffatelli and together with my White Arc co-chief, Joe Hands, we're going to attempt to take you on a journey and talk to as many chiefs across as many industries as we can to give you an insight into A, what makes them tick and B, what makes their enterprises thrive and more importantly, what they've learned along the way. The Chiefs. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of The Chiefs and today I am absolutely stoked to welcome Helen Clark to the Chiefs. Welcome, Helen. Hi, James. How are you? Fantastic. I'm really, really excited to be talking to you. Helen's based up in Sydney, so really looking forward to hearing Helen's story. She's the head of retail sales at Glory, an amazing experience that Helen and I actually worked together a period in time way back when in Sydney at Telstra at one of their organisations. But she's got an amazing story around marketing, sales, leadership, Go to market that I'm really looking forward to unpacking. She's had so much experience at so many notable organizations. I, I mentioned Glory, but she also headed up sales at Wink. She was been at Telstra and Census, Australian Radio Network, News Corp. And I've probably missed half a dozen. She's a senior executive with a wide variety of strategic go to market and marketing experience. Very, very tactical. And then obviously more recently, especially in the last 10 years, really, really strong sales experience. She's uh, obviously got uh, marketing, business management, leadership, a whole host of things we're going to talk about. She's a graduate from the Macquarie Graduate School of Management and Sydney University on a couple of occasions. Alan, welcome to the Chiefs. Now, I always open up with the same question. And my first question to you today is, what's your story? Thanks, James. So just to give you a bit of background, for the last 10 years, I've been working as a sales leader, managing and leading people. I guess my early career started off uh, in environmental services, working in corporatised government entities like Sydney Water and Waste Service in South Wales. I was really lucky to be selected as a graduate trainee and I got to try different areas. My first degree was an arts degree and then I did industrial relations. So I got to try a bit of industrial relations and then I had a stint at marketing and I loved it. I loved the communications and I worked with some major consulting firms on communicating the benefits of some investments in the wastewater systems at Sydney Water, which really was my first foray into marketing and communications. And following that, I moved to a company called Waste Service in South Wales, and I was involved again as a marketing manager, helping develop consulting services in the waste and environmental services area. And following that, I then moved into media. So that's where I met you, James, in fact, where you recruited and interviewed me as a field marketing manager at Census. I, I remember that with great fondness. I remember some of the uh, tactical marketing campaigns. Alan was responsible for, uh, if you like, the rejuvenation of the yellow brand in Sydney. And I remember uh, you know, some of those tactical campaigns back at a time where Google was really early in the market, really dominating, but the power of getting our message around championing small business and what have you was really all off the back of some of your strategy. It really, really worked. Mm. And then um, I guess uh, from that, I moved. So from I worked at Census, you know, working on various projects, as you know, like I still remember the large markets projects, 
you know, using insights to help really align what we were doing from a sales perspective and to demonstrate to senior leaders why we were different, why we needed tailored localised strategies to win market share in home improvements and professional services. And I guess what I really loved about that role was the interactions I had with the sales leaders and the sales executives. And I guess from that point of view, then I then made my move into sales management. And I was given an opportunity by a sales director, an advertising sales director I met at an event, at a competitor event at News Corp, who um, got me over as a a group director to manage some of the uh, largest local newspapers in Sydney, of which one was the Wentworth Courier, a multi-million dollar real estate newspaper, along with some other eastern suburbs newspapers, and as well as the 9 to 5 magazine, a very very well-known community magazine in Sydney. It's, it's an amazing story, Alan, from the arts to IR to field marketing, go-to-market, and then to sales. So tell me what, you know, your journey to becoming, you know, working a leader in the sales industry, what do you love about sales? For me, it's about, well, it's, it's also around the sales management side. And I guess the, the thing that I bring to a role like that is the insights and the strategy. And I guess the other thing that I really love doing, I really love the interaction with the customers themselves. So working with my team, getting them to think strategically, getting them to think about what's on our customers' sheet, what's their concerns, how do we need to help them resolve those issues, how do we help them find a solution to build their brand, to solve their problems, depending on what it is. And it's funny because, you know, and sales has become very much a problem-solving one customer at a time kind of game, hasn't it, really? So as a leader, it's so broad, some of the challenges and problems that you get. Yeah. I find myself constantly telling my team, you need to find the 6.4 key influences in that business in order to win. 6.4? Yeah, there's there's an article out there where there's been some research done which talks about you needing to find at least 6.4 influences in that business if you want you if you want to succeed in that business. You know what I love? It's a, there you go, I've just learned something. So <laughs> I, I always talk about five by five, right? So right. one of the old erosion techniques, and I think it was actually Zig Ziglar who created it, said that if you're going to have an influence as a salesperson or a sales leader, you need to be working in an organisation five wide and five deep. So yeah. I, I always say to people, Talk to me about the five wide. Miller Heinemann used the, the philosophy too and the five deep. And then the astute salespeople always turn around and say, but that's, I need to be working with 25 people. Well, there you go. That's exactly what you need to be working on in order to have a really strong understanding of an organisation and what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. You know, I'm going to use your 6.4. I think it's easier to describe. So let me ask you something. If you were to think about your career today, what would you consider your greatest achievement? I guess one of the greatest achievements I've had is continuing in a senior leadership role or developing that that role as a female and also, I guess, being a mother in my much older years and managing that plus managing teams and keeping them focused, especially given what's going on in the environment with COVID. I think that that's been the greatest achievement, being able to maintain my career, my focus, as well as, you know, having family later on in life and you know, balancing that along with my team's requirements as well. And Helen, you talk about, uh, you know, and, and I think as a as a really strong female leader, you talk about that balance of leading, being a mother, and then COVID hits, and 
and you've got to do all of that in parallel. How have you found the transition and, and what were some of the things that you had to modify, if you like, if anything, in managing that transition? You know, it's about multitasking. Multitasking and time management so that, you know, you're, you're giving what you need to do in your role and to your people as well as what you need to do for your family and your own personal well-being and making sure you carve out time for each of those areas because they all are intertwined. Yeah, I think, and I think that, that is so true, but being in the moment as you multitask, right? Yeah, very much multitasking. You know, I, I draw an analogy. It's a bit like running a triathlon. There's different segments to what you're doing, different skills and abilities required, and you've got to apply yourself, you know, across those different areas. You know, you know, Helen, as you said, running that triathlon, I just had a thought. I think one of the events you might have organised as a culture builder back when we worked together in the uh, Sydney days was City to Surf. And uh, I can remember running up Heartbreak Hill, and it might have been the, you that said, and I was looking at the top of this hill going, forget the heartbreak, I'm heartbroken. I'm, I'm not going up. I think you might have said, one step at a time, and I'm like, <laughs> and I, I might have got over that hill because of you. So if I never thanked you, I'm thanking you now. Helen, there are so many, I mean, and you've had leadership in lots of different realms, lots of different contexts, more recently, obviously, in the last 10 years, senior sales leadership experience. There are so many attributes that go into making a great leader. For those leaders who are listening to this podcast, is there typically a common theme for you? How can someone become a great leader? Are there some some things that are really critical for you? I think the critical things, actively listening and being silent when you need to be silent and being a coach. When I say coach, you don't go giving people directions. You let people make mistakes. You let them come to you with the solutions. You ask questions. I think they're really key elements of being a leader. And I think the other thing is just being passionate about what you do because people emulate other people's behaviours. So, you know, if you've got passion, people feed off that passion. Yeah, I think that's a great bit of advice right there. You know, fear not, they're always watching. As a leader, you're, you're always the figurehead. Mm-hmm. So with that passion, if for nothing else, they're going to follow your enthusiasm, right? So I also love that reference that you make around, we don't hear this enough, I don't think, around self-coaching. So there's this misconception that as leaders, we've got all the answers. But, yeah, we, we may have some answers because of experiences that we've had, but there's probably the answer that exists in the room just by having a conversation around it. Most often we've got our own answers, but we need to lean in to, to seek to ask those questions to understand. Now, I want to take a slightly different shift. If you never had to work again, Helen, what would you do and why? <laughs> Interesting. That was a hard one to think about. So I would love to be a marine biologist or some sort of, you know, marine expert, geography expert. You know, for me, it's about if I could do nothing else but learn about the environment, learn about what makes the environment work and see things through a different lens. That that would be the ideal career. And dive the oceans of the world. That would be great. You you and your water, you've really got these frequent <laughs> origins always coming back to the fore. You love the ocean, you love the water. I think for me that's what it would be. It would be, you know, diving all the different oceans of the world, finding different things. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, if you go back to strategy, why would I do that? Because, again, it's all about learning about the terrain, learning about different environments, how to anticipate those things. I love it. I love it. If you had to offer a bit of advice, this is probably going back a step in questioning, but, you know, if James Chufatelli is about to become a leader, 
what bit of advice would you give me, like in terms of going into a role of leadership? Yeah, I think the piece of advice I would say to you is network, plan, be open to new ideas and learn. Spend time and invest in yourself learning. I love that. I think that's magnificent advice. What One thing that I've always noted about you, Helen, I think it's always been one of your greatest attributes is your positive demeanour. Always positive regardless of the situation, regardless of who you're talking to. So someone who was never hierarchical that I saw, you know, it didn't matter who you were talking to, it was always the same positive uh, extrusion of energy that you always conveyed. What drives that positivity and that happiness? You seem really positive, really happy. Is there anything you would change? I think what drives it is I like to win. I like, I'm passionate. I like other people winning and I like other people succeeding. And that drives me. That gives me that energy. Yeah, and that's so, really, it's really obvious. And you actually see, I've always seen your teams always really motivated to win for each other, but to win for you. you you've never driven that in as much as you, it's not about you. But um, I really love that camaraderie that you build. I think it's something that new and emerging leaders can really learn a lot from because you've always taken the view, it's actually not about me. It's actually about being clear around what is it that we're trying to achieve. And you know what? What we're trying to achieve is the victory. <laughs> and, That's and- right. And it's not just one person. It's everyone together to achieve that. I got a nickname at Wink called Pollyanna because I always looked at the positive things of whatever we did. Pollyanna, I like that. Pollyanna. We've never had a Pollyanna. She always was glad. She always was glad and she was always thinking on the positive side. So, you know, I remember we had clients that we went to see and we presented and they're a multi-million dollar financial institution and I remember going in there with one of my senior account directors and she was saying, you know, they're going to go to market, they're going to go to market and I said, well, even if they do, let's take this as a positive, you know, approach here. Let's think through all the key things that demonstrate what value we bring to that client. And if we don't, we know we did our best. So just think through the most, the best ways of providing the insights around the cost savings, around the improvements we've been able to give them, the efficiencies, and we can only do our best. I think that's, and, and, and can I tell you, I love that because it really is, you know, if a human being just gives their best, there's no much. There's no more you can ask, mm. because you know what? Uh, sometimes you so, sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. But you're you're always moving forward, right? What are some of the mistakes, Helen, that you wish that you made that you wish you could have avoided? Are there any that stand out? I think about my earlier part of my career. I, you know, I'm, as you know, I'm quite passionate. I can be very direct. I guess you know, if I was to take myself back, maybe. 10 years ago, I may do a bit more listening, less talking. And I think the other thing is, look, I've always been a great networker and I've always networked, as you said, you know, whether it's five people up, five people down or five people sideways. I don't think that's the issue. I think it's just more about listening and, you know, taking a step back before actually responding. You know, I would say that that's, you know, something that I've learned. You know, and that's, that's part of developing your own emotional intelligence. You know, we have the... IQ, but it's about developing the EQ. My dad used to always say, Helen, you probably heard me say this many times, but my dad used to always say, James, you got two ears and one mouth, use them in proportion. So I think you're, you know, anyway, maybe maybe that message you just gave through my dad telepathically, I've just uh, taken on board. So thank you. I've got a couple more questions. I I promised Helen this uh, podcast would be 20 minutes. I'm already over time. So I'm really, really conscious of time. A couple more questions. 
we all have adversity and doubt. So as as leaders, we you know, I I know I'm forever doubting myself, and it's just you know that inner voice inside my head saying, you know, why mm-hmm. why? How do you handle adversity and doubt? What advice would you have for people, leaders in particular? I've got a couple of things. So one of the strategies that I always have, I always think about, and I always keep a list of five to ten things that I've done really well where I've really succeeded or I've achieved, and I keep those in the back of my head. When the time comes, I go to that list and I think about what I've achieved. So that really helps me overcome that self-doubt. You know, it could be everything from, I don't know, everything on, I know I can do this, I, I won this multi-million dollar contract with my team, this is what I learned from it, uh, and this is the way I, you know, I should approach this particular, particular problem or challenge. I guess the other thing is, is surrounding myself with people that are mentors, coaches, as well as friends, you know, and asking them for advice and talking through some of those uh, issues or situations. That always helps you as well. And I always like to do a bit of a debrief or a post-analysis on my own self and my performance and what I've done with my team. So I think, you know, you do a bit of win-loss in sales, you've got to do a bit of win-loss on yourself. I think, And I think there are three great tips. I think that sort of self-reflection, almost a retro on how you're going, because only you can answer that honestly, right? You can almost, uh, it's really, really so important. I think uh, that's a great bit of advice, looking for people to to mentor and coach you. And Alexander the Great was always a big advocate for, you know, he always referred to the fact that he always went back and reflected on his great victories. He said, because, you know, you're so busy looking at the next one, you forget about the greatness of what happened and why that happened. And I actually think is because of the pace of the world right now, we don't spend enough time reflecting on the great things that we do do, right? We really mm. focus on the next thing and we forget about some of the victories. So good on you. Well said. All right, last two questions. If you had to give a young Helen Clark, just graduated from the University of Sydney, from the arts, just about to embark on her career, if you had to give that young Helen, your young self, some advice, what would that be? Keep learning, keep networking and be passionate. You know what, I reckon, uh, Helen, you could look back with some real pride because you definitely are all three of those things. And in closing, it's the closing question I ask every one of our chiefs. What is one word, Helen Clark, you would use to describe yourself? Passionate. Passionate. Everything I do, I do with zest. You need to be passionate as a leader, passionate as a mother, as a partner. You've got to be passionate to create followership with your people. Um, and people pick that up, even your customers, and they believe in you. So I think that that's a really important um, way of describing myself. I think it's a great attribute. So, Helen Clark, I want to say a massive thank you on behalf of Wide Arc. Thank you for being on the Chiefs and being a great Chief. For any of our listeners who want to get in touch with Helen, you can obviously DM her through LinkedIn, Helen Clark, uh, Retail Head of Sales at Glory, or alternatively, get in touch with us and we'll gladly put you in touch. Helen, thanks for being awesome. Thanks for being on the show. And stay safe. Thank you.